this swashbuckling good time continues into hour two of the David Glenn Show. It is ECU Day. Hashtag ECU Day DG. Patrick Johnson with you. Follow uh, me on Twitter at P-Man on Air. The station uh, down east, which is a David Glenn affiliate, a proud one, is 94.3 The Game. At 94.3 The Game on Twitter there. Darren Vaught's Twitter is what? It's my full name, at Darren Vaught. Right. D-A-R-O-N. V-A-U-G-H-T. I think how Stan it's Cotton difficult. said it yesterday. Vaught. It's difficult. At, you Vought. Know, it's a di- just no, it's imagine a pretty easy it's, name. Imagine it's spelled V-O-T-T. That's but it's not spelled but that But it's way. not spelled that way. But if you're pronouncing it, that's how Yeah, you're probably. Right. I got you. Uh, and uh, you can uh, follow the David Glenn Show on Twitter at uh, David Glenn Show. Use the hashtag ECU Day DG. 800-849-2761 if you're so inclined uh, here, have any uh, ECU questions or uh, want to do a, a live on-air taste test between uh, Old Tuffy and uh, Petey Pablo's uh, beer. We'll, we'll accept that here. We can do that. That's not an FCC violation of any kind, is it? No, it's good stuff. Uh, we have uh, Cliff Godwin uh, still to come. Bottom of the hour, Joe Dooley in the 2 o'clock uh, hour. Pirate basketball coach. We'll get into it with uh, Joe and uh, Mike Houston, the ECU f- football coach in his first year at 2.30. But right now we go to our uh, guest line where uh, Kim McNeil, the new ECU women's basketball coach, joins us uh, on the phone at ECU Coach Kim. You can follow her on Twitter since we're giving the Twitter uh, handles out here on this uh, day. Coach, great to talk to you again. Hope your summer's been a good one. Doing good. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on again. It's great to talk to you. Uh, we had the occasion on my local show in Greenville on the Game to Heavy in studio. When you uh, first had gotten the job, it was kind of a whirlwind time for you uh, back during spring uh, practice for uh, ECU. But you came in uh, and uh, got everybody moved in now, lock, stock, and barrel, and everything is, uh, is ready to go. You got some recruits in, so it's, it's uh, just uh, moving along swimmingly, I have to imagine, for you. And trust me, it's still a whirlwind. <laughs> it's, 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 that, it's that first year, and, and obviously I've been through it before. So, you know, this time around, I, I know what to expect. But, no, we, we had a, a good, solid summer, and I'm excited uh, to see what Greenville looks like uh, when all the students are back and everything's popping and excited about football and then excited for us to get going as well. You had uh, about a half dozen or so uh, new recruits into the uh, program. Uh, and uh, it's a program that has had some recent success, uh, did hit uh, kind of a, a tough patch last year with the three different coaches in the season for various uh, reasons. Uh, but uh, the thing, I guess, uh, that we, when we talked to you that you found is the players who were going to be uh, returning uh, had a lot of pride in what had been accomplished here, uh, had a lot of personal pride, and, and wanted to get this program sort of back to a winning way, and they, they kind of craved the teaching and the stability that you were bringing. Yeah, and they still are excited. You know, um, a good group, I think a hungry group, you know, to, to get in that winning column. Obviously, they had a winning season this past year, but, you know, to move up the conference ranks a little bit. Um, but and we told them before, that's not our focus. Our focus is to, you know, just for us as individuals to get better. And then once we get better as individuals, then the team will get better. You know, the situation is kind of similar to how I was at Hartford when I first took over. Great tradition there, but it just had um, a rough three years, and we came in and took over a team that had been struggling and turned it around in three years. So looking forward to using that same, um, you know, that same path and the same things that we did at Harford here at ECU. We've got Kim McNeil with us here. She's the uh, new women's basketball coach at uh, ECU. 
and uh, we're talking to her about uh, her team. One of the uh, cool things, Darren, about Coach McNeil is uh, she's a big, big uh, football fan, but uh, mm-hmm. her husband, also a big football, and the husband, her husband, is on staff with her there. How, he's still on staff, isn't he? You haven't got rid of him yet, right? He's still... <laughs> He is, he is, he, he's still on staff. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but no, Corey is a, a, a huge uh, part of this program and is a huge part um, of the success of this team. Just an unbelievable person, um, great basketball mind, um, and he, he's definitely my, my right-hand man. Corey uh, and, and you, this was a similar arrangement at Hartford uh, where he was uh, your, your assistant. I have to imagine uh, that – You've got that down, you know, how the, the you know things work with you as the head coach, him as the assistant. But it's the parenting thing. I think that was probably the bigger challenge of making sure somebody had the, the, the kids picking them up from here covered or, or that kind of thing, right? Yeah, you know, that first month or two when we first got here, it, it was tough. Um, obviously, I'm a mom first, and I'll tell everybody that I'm a mother first to our set of twins and, and, and to this team. But, you know, being away from them was tough. Uh, being in Connecticut, they didn't get out of school until – mid-June and, and having to be here three or four days and go back to Connecticut for a day. So, you know, going back and forth for, for April and May became uh, very, very hard. Um, but we made it through, and the twins are here. They've been in summer camp all summer, and they're excited to start first grade at Elmhurst in a couple of weeks. Mm. So the family's here. We bought a house. We're settled, and uh, we're ready to go. You grew up uh, in Virginia, attended uh, Richmond, Radford, uh, I think in that reverse order, Radford, then Richmond, and, and coached yep. a lot in, in Virginia and then kind of matriculated your way up to Hartford there in the Northeast uh, at the uh, collegiate uh, level. Uh, with, with ECU and the American, from a recruiting standpoint, uh, that's a pretty good corridor, Greenville up to that uh, Northeastern part where you were for, for girls basketball at the high school and AAU level. Uh, is that uh, been kind of a target area? I know it's nationwide, but has that been an area where you've concentrated a lot of your, your focus on as far as recruiting and selling the program? It has. You know, but first and foremost, you know, we want to take care of the state, you know, the state of North Carolina, which has a lot of talent in our region. But we are able to, you know, expand it all the way up. Um, I think we'll probably go as far as Connecticut, maybe into Boston um, because of our ties that we had there. You know, not only being at, at Hartford, but being at, you know, University of Virginia, you know, that's a, a program where you can recruit nationally, too. So, you know, we, we've developed a lot of connections over the years, and uh, we'll still use that area. You know, we have a, a freshman um, coming in this year from Connecticut. We have a, a transfer from Philly, and we're looking at a lot of other recruits from that, from that northeastern um, region as well. Kim McNeil with us, uh, ECU women's basketball coach. When we uh, talked to you when you were first hired uh, in the studio again on, on our local show there on 94.3 The Game, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, being in Hartford and having UConn kind of in, in your backyard in a sense. Um, and that those challenges. You move to the conference where UConn is, now UConn uh, departing for the Big East next year. How does that change women's basketball and the complexion of women's basketball? Because I think a thing that a lot of people maybe don't, who don't follow that sport as closely, maybe fail to realize is there are top 20 caliber programs in the American. Uh, mm-hmm. But UConn has just kind of been that, that sort of uh, dominant gr- global women's basketball brand for so long. I think a lot of people tend to forget that there are some good teams in the American. Uh, how do you see this conference, you know, maybe a year from now? Uh, as you're getting ready for things? 
No, I think it's it's definitely opened it up. I mean, you know, when you come into the situation, you know that you're pretty much playing for second. You know, if UConn uh, being in a league, and obviously I'm a little, I'm disappointed. I'm a competitor. You know, I, I want to play against the best in the country, and you know, I was looking forward to coming and 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 looking down the sidelines. You know, um, at least once a year, maybe even twice. Uh, but you know, what you do, it is what it is. But you know, as we keep saying, the league is still very, very good. South Florida is, you know, uh, year in and year out of top 25 teams. Central Florida uh, is getting up there. Cincinnati is going to be good and so on and so on. We can go uh, down the line of the other teams in the league. So it is a still very, very competitive league. But I think it has definitely opened it up. And, you know, when we talk about looking down the road and a five-year plan and where we want to be, I think that with UConn leaving the league is definitely, um, you know, kind of – fed it up a little bit as to when we could see ourselves uh, winning the league. When you were at Hartford, did you ever run into Gino or Emma, like, you know, at the grocery store or at a coffee shop or anything? No. Um, he lived in Manchester. We okay. located in West Hartford. And it's about 20, 25 minutes away. So well, well, once, mean, once, or tw- once or twice in the airport. But, okay. You know, I, I, don't, I don't even know if I see if I could see Gino in a grocery store picking up a gallon of milk. Or anything. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> he might be in the wine aisle. That might be where he yeah, might be in the wine go. section. That. Yeah, uh, that might be where go. Gino is, getting a good bottle to go with a, a cigar or something. I, I, I can right. see that maybe. Uh, you know, UConn, I mean, it's such a, a brand – uh, you know, what were, what were your impressions of, you know, as someone up there in the same state with them, um, you know, and, and just how, I guess, did you get the, I mean, the, the fans are really, really into to UConn basketball, or is it just something we kind of perceive, you know, looking oh, on the outside? Without a doubt, it's, it's, it's all about UConn, and yeah. you, 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 can't, you can't try to compare. Um, you can't try to, you know, be in the same level that they're in. Um, they're, they're, they're at another level. They're at an elite level, so. You know, you look at yourself, the state of Connecticut has a lot of good basketball. Quinnipiac um, yeah. is really, really good. Mm-hmm. So you look at a Quinnipiac, Hartford, um, those, those type of teams, you know, are below. You kind of, you just don't, you don't try to compare. You just say, hey, they're at another level, and we're at our level, we're going to try to be as good as we can be. What is uh, the, the, the biggest thing that's maybe uh, in your mind in women's basketball changed uh, for the better and maybe the thing that's changed maybe for, you know, not so much uh, the better or maybe to the detriment of the game in a way, you know, since you've started uh, wrapping up your playing career and coaching to where you are today? Well, I think within the last five years or so, um, I think there is more parity in women's basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, obviously, UConn, did help in putting women's basketball on the map with what he has been able to do there. I mean, you can't take it away from him. I mean, I'm sure every coach would love to have the success that he's had, so you can't take that away from him. But, you know, in the last five years, you look at the parity and what's been happening the last two years at the national level, you know, at the Final Four, the unbelievable games that we've had, you know, with Notre Dame and Mississippi State and, you know, different people making it to the Final Four. I think it's unbelievable for women's basketball and the ratings of our Final Four games and championship games have, have skyrocketed. And I think it's only going to bring more attention, you know, to our game with the more um, television um, broadcasting we can get will only help us as well. But it's definitely more parity, and I think that's really good for the women's game. We're talking to Kim McNeil, ECU women's basketball uh, coach. Uh, the other thing that uh, 
You, you bring up there, there's a lot more uh, opportunity with uh, the ESPN Plus platform. We didn't really have a chance to work that in with John Gilbert is one of the big kind of off-season developments for the for the league. But the American itself has a nice TV package. So that's obviously, I guess, something you can sell uh, this year and in the future, too, to recruits that you'll have a chance to play on television. Yeah, I mean, it only helps in recruiting. You know, kids love to see themselves on TV. Uh, but also the parents that are maybe a little bit further away, yeah. you know, are able to, you know, catch them on ESPN3, ESPN+, Plus, um, if we're not picked up national, to be able to still support their, their, their daughters. And uh, we'll start that in, in 20 um, season, and I'm looking forward to it. And um, it, it just, you know, another um, example of, you know, what the league is doing um, for us and, and what the commitment that ECU has given um, to women's basketball. All right, correct me if I'm wrong, Coach. You're a Raiders fan, right? I am. Okay. Through and through. What, through do, and through. what do you make of Antonio Brown <laughs> then? What do you make of this whole Antonio Brown uh, with the blistered know, feet and the helmet and the diva? And what do you make of it? Come on, you know, take the coach hat off, put the fan hat on, give me the real deal here as a Raiders fan. <laughs> Yeah, Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. I think the Raiders knew, obviously, it was a risk um, signing him. But when you were in, in the position that we were in, you know, we're, we're trying to get back at that winning level, I think you take a chance. And, and that's what they did. They took a chance on an unbelievable player who can obviously go down as one of the best to ever play in his position, um, going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and you got to know that, you know, I think if you're a team that, you know, like the Patriots or, you know, somebody that's already winning, you take that chance, maybe not. But, you know, we, we're a little desperate, you know, didn't have uh, the best of seasons last year. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I think that it's all going to work itself through. I think Antonio Brown, obviously, he loves the attention. I don't think he was getting the attention that he wanted, you know, with the Steelers. He wanted to be that guy. He wanted to be that leader. And obviously, Roethlisberger was that guy. I think he has the opportunity to be that in Oakland. Um, Just hopefully he can do it in the right way. Could you coach Antonio Brown? No. Uh, I have a hard time with Prima (laughs) Donald. We just run him. You just run him. No, you know, I just, you know, for me, it's all about the team. and, And I'll never put one player ahead of the team. Um, sometimes, you know, that has caused me to have to make some really, really tough decisions. And yeah. Maybe at the end of the day caused me to lose some games. But, you know, when you're rebuilding programs, it's not about the now. It's about the future. And sometimes you have to make those hard decisions and you got to stick with them. And your husband, Corey, is a Redskins fan, right? No, 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 no. Please don't let him hear you say that. Baltimore I thought he was Ravens. a Redskins fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Baltimore Ravens. Oh, Ravens. Okay. All right. He would have a fit. Yeah, he's from Baltimore, so he's a Raven. That's fan. right. Okay. His I... Orioles aren't doing too well right now, but. Uh, no, well, they're we doing better than the Redskins. They're doing better than the Redskins, at least. <laughs> we we have one room in our house that's fully dedicated that's to, right. to the Ravens yeah. and to the Lakers. Oh, okay, the Lakers. You know, I told when we came here, we definitely got the right color scheme with all the purple that you love. So, <laughs> so you're pumped yeah. about the Lakers. Now, how do you feel about your Lakers being the second-best team in L.A. right now? I'm not a Lakers fan. That's him. Well, how does he feel about them being the second-best uh, team in L.A. then? Well, he won't say they're the second-best. He'll say they're, they're well, the they, Coach, I hate to tell you, but they best. are. Yeah, he'll, he'll tell you they're the best. He'll, you know, he'll just say, just wait and see. You know, just wait and see. So. Okay. Good to talk to you again, and it was nice to see you all, albeit briefly, at the uh, Mellow Mushroom kickoff a couple weeks ago. So yeah, yeah, that, that was that was a good event. I look forward to getting out in the community even more, and you know, getting the support back, and 
and, and getting the excitement for women's basketball. But I, I love I love Greenville so far. I love being in college towns. It just it reminds me of Athens when I was at Georgia, and then I know when you can get put a put put a put put a good product out there on the court, that the support will come. And so we're looking forward to that. Coach, very good. Thank you for the time. We'll uh, to catch up with you soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. There she goes, Kim McNeil, with us here on the uh, David Glenn Show. It, uh, yeah, if you probably don't want to have it uh, made known that you're a Redskins fan, but I forgot her husband was a an Orioles or a, a Ravens uh, fanatic. I understand the mistake. I, I do. Well, I, I was thinking because she was from one. Virginia, kind of like you. I, I, you know, I say I, I just assume you're from because you both are kind of from the same geographic part of Virginia, Coach McNeil and you. She went to Radford. I was born in. Yeah, Radford. and so I'm thinking, okay, well, Darren's got to be a big uh, Redskins fan. Nope, no, that was six not, and a half hours away from me, right. Patrick. That, that's not the case. I, I would. If you if you base it on proximity, I'm more likely to be a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Is that right? It's actually closer to Cincinnati. Yeah, we get up there and get on the double A and head on over through Kentucky. Is that what you would do? Yeah, yeah. I've been that way before. I have not, not often, but it's closer uh, than Washington D.C. to where I grew up. You don't want to go, buddy. Trust me. Trust me on that. You don't want to go. Uh, I like the the fact that she said she would not coach uh, Antonio Brown. Hard stance there. Too. That was a, that it did was not a, take her long. That was a line to, in the sand. That, answer that was a line in the sand. Have we tagged out on the tweeter over there? Looks like we have. Drew has given it up now. Drew's got uh, perhaps a cramp in, in one of his typing fingers, and we've got Will in there from uh, WPU. So that's good. All right, just keeping everybody updated on what's going on for those of you scoring at home on uh, the David Glenn Show. We'll get some sound next. Cliff Godwin at the bottom of the hour. Uh, there is a a pundit uh, from the worldwide leader who thinks the Pirates are going bowling. His sound, some thoughts on that when we return on this uh, version of the David Glenn Show ECU Takeover Day. Stay tuned. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. You like that, don't you? If I didn't have the music, that would be useful. (laughs) I don't think that would be useful for anybody. I just don't. Uh, Patrick Johnson in. ECU Day, uh, ECU Takeover Day on the David Glenn Show. We know how certain uh, hosts love it when you say ECU Takeover Day. Uh, we've got uh, Darren Vaught across the way. Cliff Godwin coming up in a few minutes. We'll get a uh, break here and get uh, Coach Godwin on. Now, I, I must admit, and I'm probably not in his demo, I, if I make it up past 10 o'clock, it's a miracle. Even now that I'm, you know, sports kind of host i don't get up at three in the morning anymore to do morning radio it's still like tough to you know stay up past really 8 30 uh, but 10 is the extent of that so i have no I, I i and this is sacrilege and i shouldn't admit this but i'm i'm aware obviously of van pelt who's not i mean he's great but i i can't ever say i've watched a show i've watched you know clips obviously on 
Uh, yeah, that's really what late night TV, in a sense, is. I was going to say the who's same on, thing. Who's it's... on video now? You know, who's, yeah. who goes viral? So there's this dude named Stanford Steve who's kind of worked his way up in the SVP and ESPN hierarchy, and he's become, as I understand it, Darren, uh, kind of a, a gaming guy, a sports gaming guy, gambling guy. Gambling guy. So they, uh, people are probably more familiar with uh, the guy they refer to as the bear on sure. college yeah. game day. Right, absolutely. He, he and Stanford Steve. Stanford Steve is the... a more uh, suave version of bear. Would, would would that be an accurate way to put that? Yeah. The Stanford Steve at least wears a jacket. So this is what Stanford Steve had to say about uh, ECU going bowling this year. Well, let's talk about you. you got one more for us. Yes, sir. Uh, ECU. Uh, no quarter is what they say. All right? No prisoners. They're not taking any prisoners. No quarter? No, yeah. That's, a, that's their thing. Uh, <laughs> it's, a pi- it's a pirate thing. It's a, ah, pirate. pirate. All right. Swashbuckler uh, Another first-year head coach uh, comes in, Mike Houston, Pelt. who won a national championship at James Madison in three years. He went 37-6 and six there. Um, ECU was... Uh, not great on offense last year, but they started a true freshman, Holton Aylers, halfway through the season, got the numbers up a little bit. He's one of my favorite players in, in college football. He's 6'3", he's 236, he's a lefty, he runs all over the place. He's like a mini Tebow, um, playing for a smaller school. Uh, he's got six of his eight pass catchers back. Uh, he only completed 48% of his passes last year, so I expect him to be way better this year. They have seven starters back on defense. They don't play Houston or Memphis uh, from the other side in that American. You know you got to sw- score points in this conference to be successful. So their number is five. I like East Carolina a, a lot here. Uh, and you're getting plus money at 125 over five. Uh, I think they definitely go to a bowl game this year. Now, all that's for entertainment purposes only. But here's what I will say, and this is maybe the critical error that Stanford Steve, I talked to Phil Steele uh, here recently, and I love Phil, but this is the thing that uh, I think people have. And I may be wrong about this. I don't think I am, though. Uh, ECU has to win seven this year to go bowling because they've got two FCS opponents, Gardner-Webb and William and & Mary, one of them having to replace uh, the uh, Virginia Tech cancellation. So, Because you can count one of those FCS wins. So when you hear people like Stanford Steve say, oh, they're going to get six, they might, but there's a chance if they get six, you know, that it could be tough. And if I'm wrong on that, I'm sure I'll get bombarded on Twitter or on email. But I don't think I am. But but that, that makes sense, though, does it not, Darren? That's the I think I think you're right. If they so have two seven FCS, is the number. Seven yeah. would have to be the number. Seven would have to be the number. Now, look, my guy, Terrence Copper, who played in the NFL for a decade, great ECU receiver, Washington Pampack, football star back in the day, going to be on with us on our game day coverage here locally in Greenville this year on the flagship for ECU says nine and three this year so that he's he's clearing that seven by plenty and they're going somewhere according to uh, Terrence so there you go Cliff Godwin has had quite a run in Greenville the uh, Snow Hill native uh, the alum the uh, academic All-American he's done a great job with the pirate baseball program which is knocking on the door of uh, getting to Omaha. We'll talk to Coach Godwin about the season that was and uh, the season that will be when we return on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? It was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show.
Oh, Fogarty coming back. Great tune. Uh, David Glenn show at his ECU day uh, here. Patrick Johnson in for DG today, who continues uh, his Griswold uh, vacation across uh, the uh, continent of Europa. Did I pronounce that correctly? I don't think I did, actually, did I? No, <laughs> no way. I did not pronounce no that correctly. He's also in London specifically. Oh, is he? Nowhere I else. thought it was sort of a, a dash across nah, Europe, not a, Griswold not a Euro trip style time. vacation. No. Well, you can still do a lot in London, apparently. When does he come back? He's back in the for the show, right? Starting next week okay. on Monday. All right. Yeah, so I think he's back. So this it. wraps up the Voices of North Carolina tour this uh, week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow, Dave Nathan uh, with uh, UNC Day. Dave's always uh, fun to listen to. He's a nice guy. I like Dave a lot. And then uh, the new voice of the Hornets here on uh, Charlotte Hornets Day on uh, Friday. Uh, who is that again, Darren? John Fokey. John is his Fokey. Name. Okay. Yeah. Don't Brand know new to the Hornets. Oh, good for John. Good for John. Uh, all right, uh, Cliff Godwin joining us uh, here on the phone, Pirate Baseball coach, uh, and uh, it's always great to catch up with uh, Cliff. How's the summer going, sir? It's going great, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you back on here. Uh, a frequent guest on uh, ECU Takeover Day of the David uh, Glenn Show. What a year for uh, the Pirates, a, a record in the American and wins in the conference. Uh, seven guys uh, drafted, a, a tremendously successful year, a super regional uh, appearance. And, Coach, I guess i got to ask you a little bit about that regional in, in Greenville. To me, that was uh, such an emotional and, and great comeback for this program to fall into the loser's bracket uh, in the first game and then fight your way back of the, out of the elimination bracket and win that. There was weather again for a second straight year at the regional, uh, games that ended in the middle of the night, and it just was what a roller coaster that was for Pirate fans to, to kind of wrap up your guys' season at uh, Clark LeClaire Stadium. Oh, it was awesome. You know, you never plan it where you lose the first game, and <laughs> I know people know it was it was tough, but, you know, if you lose the first game, 7.5% chance to win the regional, which I, I didn't know that until after we had won it. Uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't know that. But, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing feat by our guys, and, and I only say that because it just showed the toughness that our kids had. And you know, you just have to take it one pitch, one game at a time. And I thought our guys did a tremendous job of that. And one of the best decisions I made was, you know, having all of us, including coaches and players, get off social media on Wednesday. And I thought about it in 18, and I should have done it uh, in 18, but I didn't. And you know, I told our guys after we won, I said. Just imagine if you've been reading Twitter and social media after we lost that Saturday night game against Quinnipiac. I said everybody would have told you how bad you were. And, you know, that stuff does. I mean, look, as much as you tell them to ignore the noise, it matters, and they, and they look at it, and that's the way their lives are, you know, kind of society kind of trends them towards that. So, But anyway, just super proud of our guys and, and proud of what they did in the classroom. Another AAC championship in the classroom four straight years. We haven't had below a 3.4 team GPA in four years. I mean, two years. So it's pretty amazing. Cliff Godwin, ECU baseball coach with us. The, the thing about getting your players off social media, too, that uh, was so stark to me at the time was it, it, obviously the outside noise, but they weren't communicating kind of eyeball to eyeball, face to face with one another, if I recall correctly. Um, that was, no, that's just the thing we do with the phones. So, ah, the phones. You know, okay. Yeah. The phones. So when you come, when you come uh, up to the facility, like you have to put your phone, it looks like a shoe holder on the back of <laughs> Coach Allen's door. So you just drop your phone in there and 
I mean, it's a, it's a huge part of our culture. You know, when you look back on it, you don't realize it, but at Team Mills, they do phone towers where they stack them, and they, you have to talk to people, and, and society has lost that, in my opinion, and I think our guys have done a good job. And you don't come through the loser's bracket after losing game one and have to play five games in whatever, 48 hours, and, and the competition that was in our regional, if you're not close to one another and you love one another, and I thought our guys – a really close-knit group, especially down the stretch run. Cliff Godwin, ECU baseball coach with us. A year ago, you were involved with uh, USA Baseball, had the trip to Cuba. Uh, what has this year been like for you as far as, the, I guess, the big change, recruiting a lot more hands-on by you? Uh, and uh, I would have to imagine, too, with the camps, maybe a little more involvement. What, what's the summer been like following the season? I know there hasn't been a, a lot of downtime, if you will. No, people, you know, people that don't know what college coaches do, they walk in the office and say, hey, you going to the beach all summer? Well, no, <laughs> not exactly. It's the biggest recruiting time for us. And, you know, Jeff Palumbo obviously is out all the time, but I, I like being out as well. And um, so, you know, we're in, a, the, in Atlanta area for the better part of three weeks in July. And um, it, it's just stuff going on every weekend with travel ball and, uh, Jeff and I both did take some vacation, but you have that, you have camps, you know, we had a coaching change and had to hire a pitching coach. So there, there was a lot less sleep this summer probably than there's been in, in a long time in the summers, uh, you know, here, but it's good. Um, really pumped up about Jason Dietrich. Mm-hmm. Um, we call him coach Dietz and, uh, he, his resume speaks for itself, but you know, like I told a lot of people five years ago, we could not have hired somebody like him with his resume and, we're just blessed to have taken our program where it is nationally for a guy that's a West Coast guy to be, you know, interested in this position. And I think he's going to bring a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge, and he cares about the players. I mean, all the things that we stand for, he stands for, and we're, we're super excited about having him part of our program. Cliff Godwin uh, with us here on uh, ECU Day on the David Glenn Show. Jake Agnos was one of those players drafted into the Yankees organization. What a year he had uh, for you. He was someone who participated in on the USA team uh, a year ago from kind of, you know, his journey of the last calendar year, roughly participating with Team USA, what he did this year to where he is now. How, how key were those several months, you know, last summer, this year, and everything you, you kind of had him put in work-wise uh, for the program and that he did put in work-wise for the program to him, you know, being drafted a, a pretty high draft pick by the Yankees. You really can't do much more than Jake Agnes did in his, his career in East Carolina when you think about it. Him and Packard last summer were the first two ECU players to play on the collegiate national team. So you have that, and then he comes in and is a Friday night starter and really just manages that position. And everybody says they want to pitch on Friday nights, but until you go out there and every pitch, determines if it's a win or a loss i mean there's a lot of pressure into it and it took jake a couple years to mature into that role but he handled it like a machine and just went out there and performed at a high level and so he's an all-american he breaks the single season record in strikeouts in the american breaks the career record in strikeouts in the american and so he's first team all-american and also first team academic all-american so i don't really know that if you could do anything more than what jake agnos did for us in the past calendar year and uh, well, i was going to mention brian packard and we'll get to him in a second but you've got another agnos uh, heading into the program yeah so we have two it's pretty unique i mean we have two brothers you got zach agnos which is jake's brother obviously and then you got cody benton which is trey brother mm-hmm. trey's yeah. brother so it's really unique 
I, I've never had that happen before, but it, it really, in my opinion, shows how much the families trust in the coaching staff and our program and what we have brought to their family. So I'm excited for the Bentons and the Agnoses to at least be a part of ECU baseball on a day-in and day-out basis you know, for the next three years at least. Cliff Godwin is uh, with us, ECU baseball coach, uh, and uh, he's, he's done an excellent job in Greenville uh, carrying on uh, the, uh, the the legacy there of Coach Overton, Coach uh, LeClaire. Uh, coach uh, Godwin has been a big uh, part of that. Uh, Bryant Packard, uh, one of those players drafted too. He's a local kid there in Greenville, was an All-American uh, season before last, uh, an all-conference uh, selection this time around. He, he bad a little bit of injury, but he ends up getting drafted too fairly high, and he's already been promoted. And, and she got the sense he, there are guys who are going to really thrive you know, with that sort of everyday baseball at the next level. And he just seems like one of those guys that is going to thrive concentrating on nothing but baseball. Yeah, Pack is just an extremely talented player, but he's also extremely savvy. Um, he knows the game, just tendencies of pitchers, and he runs the bases good, even though he's not the fastest guy out there. And Look, as long as Brock Packer stays healthy, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for him, and uh, I think definitely he'll be on the fast track as long as he just keeps his head down and keeps doing what he's done for the past three years here. I think Pack is uh, definitely a guy who has the potential to hit at the highest level, and I'm just excited for him. Actually, we're texting back and forth yesterday, and he's played 10 games in a row, which always is good for Pack because, you know, like we just talked about, he's had a history of kind of battling injuries. Uh, Alec Burleson played with Team USA uh, this year. Uh, I know Darren Vaught, who's the producer of this show, does a lot of broadcasting with USA Baseball and has uh, talked to me a little bit before the show today about some of his uh, uh, superlatives this year. Uh, you've got uh, several guys playing in the summer college leagues. Dusty Baker's had a, a great year down on, on the coast in the CPL. How many guys, uh, Coach, played, uh, you know, sort of that, that summer collegiate baseball league this year? We had a handful. Really, this was a unique summer where we had a lot of guys in uh, summer school because our mm -hmm. incoming class was big because we had an exiting big class with mm -hmm. the juniors and the seniors. We lost 12 guys. Um, but we had a few that played summer baseball. And, and as you said, uh, Thomas Francisco led the Valley League and, and being, led the entire league in hitting and broke the Charlottesville Tom Sox, I think is the name of the team, uh, hit streak record. I think he had a 23-game hitting streak this summer. Um, hit over 400. I mean, he's one of the best hitters in the country, and he's going to be a big part of our team next year. Connor Norby had a great summer in the Valley. Bryson World played in the Valley, and, you know, up and down, um, kind of like, you know, we need him to be a little bit more consistent, but Bryson has all the tools to be very successful. And had a couple pitchers, Garrett Saylor and Carter Spivey, and then Christian James was an all-star in the Cal Ripken League. So that was the league that Burley played in last summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, C.J., who had an injury in the fall as a freshman, was drafted out of high school. So he's finally, you know, got in a lot of the bats coming off the spring where he, you know, didn't play a lot just because he's getting his feet wet as a freshman. But we're expecting big things out of him as well. We have the Town Bank Tower ribbon cutting on uh, Friday. It'll be open uh, for folks uh, to uh, go in and tour as part of Meet the Pirates on, on Saturday. Uh, there in Greenville, and you can see a great view from Clark LeClaire Stadium of that uh, tower and, and now the whole parking lot situation uh, there. Uh, it's going to be kind of good to see that area without some construction vehicles in it, but it, it really it really <laughs> makes the uh, that, that, that kind of athletic campus uh, look as good as any in the country. 
Definitely. I mean, when you pull in from uh, Charles Boulevard and you see the baseball field, the track facility, the soccer field, and then you turn the corner and now you see, you know, something that is big time college athletics. I mean, it is really cool and the hitting indoor on the side. And, and the thing I love about ECU athletics is the, all the athletic fields and, you know, the Minji's arena um, is, or Minji's Coliseum, I should say, they're right here. You know, it's like a village, kind of like an Olympic village where at other college campuses you might have baseball here, football over there, the basketball arenas over there. I mean, everything's right here. So I really enjoy that, that part of it. How uh, there was some uh, you know push to to uh, improve some things. Uh, another hitting cage, or there are a couple of hitting cages uh, indoor at uh, Clark LeClaire Stadium. There's also uh, some some movement towards uh, part of this overall renovation of athletic facilities. Uh, do some of that. Where, where is uh, kind of that right now, and what are some things you're kind of pushing for as far as you know need to keep the program competitive nationally with uh, with top programs? Well. First off, the stuff that you can't see. So the old hitting indoor, which is underneath the stadium behind the first base dugout, actually we're turning that into a pitching indoor. Um, the concrete's already been blown out in there, um, and it's going to be finished hopefully about mid-September where just be for, you know, have three bullpens in there where guys can throw bullpens, have all the technology with rap soto and stuff, and also walls for them to throw med balls. So really like a pitching lab. So That'll be done mid-September. That's been in the works for a while. Um, the university has stepped forward, and, and this is for the fans, but the faded chairbacks that have been Clark Leclerc for a long time, um, you know, in the grandstand, they will um, be redone before next season. Um, at least that's what I'm told. And then, you know, we'll be continue to push. I mean, we need to expand underneath here. Um, and when I say that is we want to have a professional locker room over here we want to have a new locker room, our team meeting room, our training room, our equipment room. All that needs to get bigger. Um, our director of baseball operations does not have a specific office right now, so we need to, you know, make some things nicer. And then we'd like to have a weight room over here as well just to make it a one-stop shop. But the professional locker room is, is huge for me because I want guys like Brick and Pack and Jake and Trey and others, you know, Krasinski and Dewanier you know, even McKenzie Gore to have places to work out and to have their own locker room so they can be here and um, just feel a part of it. That's right. big for me. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a great idea. Uh, and, uh, and and part of that continual preaching, it's a family uh, with the baseball program. Cliff Godwin with us. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about as far as the game overall, and it's enjoying a lot of uh, success and interest, probably as much as the, the game of college baseball has ever had. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, people watching it on television, et cetera. Uh, but there is the area of that kind of third paid assistant. We've talked about this before, and it, I'm sure it's been discussed uh, in, in certain circles on this show as well. Uh, any any further movement towards, you know, that becoming a reality across the board? I don't think there's been far, further movement. I know there's a lot of talk, Patrick. Yeah, I think it's a travesty, to be honest with you, that we can't. You know, and it's, the thing that's a travesty is each institution has their choice to to fund the position. So, like, if your budget doesn't allow you to fund the position, then he just is not titled volunteer. You know, the title of the volunteer is the biggest thing that a lot of coaches have a problem with. And obviously, financially, when guys are trying to make a living and move up in the sport, 
Um, luckily, our volunteer, he's definitely not getting rich, but through our camps, he's being funded through our camps. And I'm not a head coach that's taking, you know, a vast amount of money out of the camps. I'm trying to supplement Jeff Palumbo, Jason Dietrich, uh, Hunter Allen, you know, gets the most part of it. But I want them to be able to support their families. And I think it's just tough in our profession to it's really competitive now, so to get a full-time paid job is competitive. So if you want quality people in that position, you, you have to continue to move the profession. And it hurts our kids because the student-athlete welfare of being coached and being around another great human being, that that's being affected because of the volunteer title. Coach, great to talk to you. Uh, enjoy what little bit of uh, summer you got, if there's any. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking with you real soon. I appreciate the time here. As always, it's, it's always great to catch up with you for a little bit. Thanks, Patrick. The summer's over. The freshman moved in today. Oh, that's okay. I thought it was tomorrow, but it is today. All right. Well, there, there you go. Summer's done, people. Summer's done there. Pirate Beach, closed. All right, Cliff. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, you know what that means, Darren? You know, that, there's 20,000-some-odd people now, and the main thoroughfare in Greenville one of them is Arlington Boulevard, and it's shut down because they're behind on a construction project there. Yeah, day-to-day -day life oh, as you know it. Oh, in my Greenville. gosh. Done. But they got the Leo, the Leo Jenkins, uh, you know, 10th Street Connector's finally done. And I've been burning that up when I've been down there. It's the only way to get from one end of town to the other, to be honest with you. So, But uh, Pirate Beach shut down for the summer. Here we go. The students are back. Uh, we will uh, be back. There's people saying that I misinterpreted uh, Stanford Stan. What is it? Stanford Steve's, uh, <laughs> whatever his pro prognostication was. Darren Vaught will prove me right when we return. And I've got another snippy coach remark from the legendary uh, defensive coordinator Bob Trott, who's a hoot. Been in the NFL with Parcells. We'll get to that if we can uh, as we wrap up this hour of ECU Day on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Didn't hit up that uh, Stanford Steve, right? Stanford Steve? Steve is talking mainly about, you know, the five-win total, and he's talking the action. But he did say bowl game, didn't he? I thought he did. He specifically said, I think ECU right. makes a bowl game. Now, if he's talking action, then he might, you know, but, I mean, he's if he said, he said bowl game. Don't hate. I'm just telling you what I heard. Joe Dooley, Mike Houston, next hour, David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show.